a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. When we look at ourselves and the situation of the world, uh, God is certainly there, but He's hidden there. He's not seen there. He's not. He, he hasn't put Himself there to be found. Where He puts Himself to be found is on the cross. That's where we know that He loves us. So we can just as well undo God's love for us as we can go back in time and pry the nails out of Jesus' hands. We can just proclaim God's Word, trust it will do what it says it will do, and no longer be, be judging the effectiveness of the, of the preached word by human standards of measurement, by, by the number of people that are there, but, but rather to just do what God told us to do, to preach the word and administer the sacraments. Ch- Charles Finney could have possibly had the ugliest face of any theologian. <laughs> Except for Brian Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to, or welcome to this edition of Table Talk Radio. This is the beginning of the show, right? It is. <laughs> I know. Welcome back. I know. I don't know if it's you been, ever really say that, because I don't know a... if people want to listen more than once. <laughs> once is enough. You'll see by the end of this hour what we're talking about. That's right. Well, for the lineup, in case you want to know what you're missing, uh, we're going to start out by playing Name That Theologian after we do buzzwords. Oh, yeah. And then after that, we're going to do everyone's favorite praise song cruncher. Um, yeah. Both, both Bread of these... and butter. Both of these has, have been submitted to us by request, so uh, pretty good. And, and so, at least two of our listeners will like today's show because we're you doing and our, me. <laughs> well, the, okay, four because two people submitted requests for the praise song cruncher. So, well, I'm not sure I'm going to like it. So maybe three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But first, so buzzwords. Everyone is looking for the buzzword. I got one for you. Here, you ready? I, this is back to the bread and butter bud, buzzword here. This is buzzword I've got for you, Evan, is post-millennialism. Post-millennialism. Now, the way buzzwords works, of course, is that uh, we give each other these words and we have to mix them into the conversation, and uh, without the other person noticing, you get 500 points. Post-millennialism is the eschatology, or belief in the end times, uh, that was popular around the turn of the century, 100 years ago, and it's starting to make a revival amongst some of the reform types, like R.C. Sproul, etc. And it says that the gospel will so infiltrate the, the, the world that there, we will have a golden age uh, of rule by the church, really, before Jesus comes. So Jesus will come post after the millennium, which is this golden age, maybe a thousand years, maybe that's symbolic. Uh, and that is the eschatology that we call post-millennialism, Good luck working it into the conversation. <laughs> That'll be a tough one. Um, well, I know how much you like Latin, so I have a Latin phrase for you. Yes, yes. Uh, it is Texas Receptus, uh, which is Latin for received text. Uh, and I don't know how you're going to work this one in either. Um, but uh, you would probably be better to explain it. But the, the, the received text is uh, the, uh, the collection of, of, of a Greek text as compiled by Erasmus. Um, in the uh, early 16th century, um, do you want to go off more than that? Yeah, we had a friend at um, we had a friend at the seminary that was from Texas, and uh, and he liked the King James, so we called him Texas Receptus. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, nothing like seminary humor. Oh, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> Texas Receptus. Uh, this is um, but yeah, it's it is. The, I mean, there's different 
what we call textual traditions that we get the the different, especially with the New Testament, the different Greek manuscripts that we use uh, to translate the English. I mean, everyone knows that the English Bibles that we have are translations of the Greek. Well, but what Greek do you use? There's there's thousands of manuscript Greek manuscripts of the New Testament floating around out there. Well, Erasmus did a little bit of critical work and came up with a Greek text that he brought forth in the Middle Ages, well, at the time of the Reformation, and that was uh, that was is called the Textus Receptus, the received text, because it was considered uh, good and fit for use in the church, and that's what the, the King James was translated from, the received text, and also the uh, New King James uses as the basis of its text, it uses the received text. Uh, later on, there was more critical work done, and especially in the, with the German scholars in the 19th and 20th century, and, uh, and we have now a, a, a critical text, which is and critical because what they do is they, they compile all the different fragments, all these ancient texts that have been found lately. Um, there's one text, uh, the, the, um, the Sinai text, what's that called? And then the Vatican text, Textus Vaticanus. These two almost complete, very, very old manuscripts that were found in libraries, in monasteries. And those, along with all the others, are compiled. And then whenever there's a different little variant, a different letter here or there, different tense for the verb, they'll go and they'll compare and try to, try to pick the, the most fitting one. So the critical texts that we have today... For example, in the Nestle Allen Greek text or a combination of all these ancient manuscripts and the English versions like the ESV or the NIV or the NASB um, or the RSV, these are all uh, come as translations of this critical text. So, so those are the two major uh, Greek texts of the New Testament that stand behind our English translations. This is sure, this conversation has sure to have lost all of our listeners. <laughs> Good, You're well, the one that gave me Textus Receptus <laughs> as the buzzword. Goodness sakes. Like, hey, hey, do a little five minutes of text crit work at the beginning of the show to get everyone pumped up. Well, I'm still fuming from the last show we did where we were talking about those Native American view of, this, of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. What a bunch of kooky. That was I'm a still whole week up from ago. that. You're trying to <laughs> calm me down by, uh, by having me talk about... Textual traditions. Anyway. Boy, that really got you stirred up. I'm not upset. I can tell. Yeah, can you believe that my emotions are still fuming from a recording a week ago? <laughs> <laughs> Top right. secret. We just recorded that about five minutes Shh, ago. But don't don't tell anyone that's listening. Radio secrets. Because you are on your way to Germany soon. Right. In fact, li dear listener, as you're listening to this, I'll probably be uh, touring Lutherland. I'll bring back pictures for you guys. See, this will be uh, the this week. Works good for radio. This, by the way, is airing the week of July 4th. So, oh um, yeah, that's the day we get back from Germany. No, oh, so you can be listening to the show when you get back. Sweet. <laughs> okay. I was hoping we'd make it back in time to listen. <laughs> you're rushing back to to listen to Table Talk Radio. Uh, okay, so. Um, I'll give you the way this works to name that theologian as we read some quotes from varying theologians and we have to guess who it is. I have more contemporary theologians for Pastor Wolfmuller and uh, Wolfmuller has some more traditional ones. Is the cutoff date then 1750 since we, that's how we play our game? Contemporary or traditional for yeah, him? Yeah, sure. That'll be fine. Are yours after 1750? Both of mine are before 1750. Yep. So. I'm good on there. Okay. So. Awesome. Uh, I'll, I'll go first reading mine to you. The first quote says, The Holy Spirit works only through the Word of God. Therefore, we should and must insist that God does not want to deal with us human beings except by means of his external Word and sacrament. 
everything that boasts of being from the Spirit, apart from such as word and sacrament, is of the devil, as Luther says in Small Cold Articles. Luther. Ah, I was just thinking to myself, wait a minute, that kid, that's Luther in Small Cold. <laughs> That's kind of tricky. So you're you're reading a modern theologian quoting an ancient theologian? Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Is that fair? I want to know who's refereeing this game. I want to review. I'm I'm not done okay, with this keep quote. Going. Okay. All right, keep it coming. Keep Luther it coming. got his doctrine from the Holy Scriptures. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, Romans 10:17. Since you have been born again not of perishable seed but from imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, 1 Peter 1. God works graciously only through the Word. Hmm. Well, that's a great quote. I'm not sure if it's fair in the rules, but it's a great... The theology of the quotation is marvelous. I mean, that's really wonderful. Um, it's talking about how the, the way that God deals with us spiritually, the Holy Spirit deals with us through the written external Word of God. Uh, and and that's it. That's what we know that the Holy Spirit is working. And anything apart from that, we you can ne- you can never have certainty. And so this is uh, this is why this is very important. But uh, so this this must be a Lutheran. There's no way around it. This uh, this author is God because no one else says this. Nobody says it. I mean, even our closest kind of second cousin theologically, the Reformed. Dun dun dun. Don't say this. <laughs> Uh, and so this this so that limits it. So the modern Lutheran author, okay. But I don't know who. I mean, this could be a handful of folk. Um, so you better give me some more quotations. Okay, here it is. Peter's image of the royal priesthood places wonderful blessings upon Christians. Christians talk. We talk not by witnessing to the things which have happened in our hearts or even our lives, or by sharing our impressions or opinions. We talk by confessing the doctrine which we have learned. Faithfully speaking of Christ according to the witness of the apostles in Scripture. The response to our confession will be mixed as not even the church consistently values its confessors. Our factors as well, um, other factors as well might tempt us uh, to temper or discontinue our confession. Interesting. So the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. So we both we have the doctrine of the external word, the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. That little sentence right in there in the middle, Christians talk. That's a nice little sentence. Um, uh, and uh, so this is uh, this is leading me towards someone who. So this I, I'm thinking this is an English writer. Uh, this this is does not sound like a translation, but something originally written in English. So I'm going to narrow it down a little bit further. And and um, uh, so this is a. Modern Lutheran English-speaking writer. That's going to limit it to pretty well the Missouri Synod. Maybe someone from Wells or ELS could, have, but maybe their emphasis is even a little bit different. So, uh, so 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 far so good. Now let's let's have maybe one more. Quote. Okay, but let's do that after right? the break because we have about thirty seconds left. So uh, we are in the middle of playing Name That Theologian, and you can play too by calling us at eight six six eight five one five five two three. That's eight six six. Eight five one five five two three, and as always, we're willing to take your uh, questions and comments by sending us an email: questions at tabletalkradio.org. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We're continue playing Name That Theologian right after this break. We'll be right back. Met you yet. 
everyone's favorite critical event. Table Talk Radio will be right back. I found God on the corner of First and Amistad, where the West was all but one, all alone, smoking his last cigarette. I said, where you been? He said, asking anything. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. That song is already looking for God outside of word and sacrament. Oh, nice. He did not listen to this theologian, of which you are trying to guess uh, on Table Talk Radio. Name that theologian, and I have one more quote for you if you're ready. I am ready. Okay, here it is. Doctrine and practice are bound together and cannot usually be separated. Sometimes a practice is necessary because of the doctrine of the gospel demands it such as is the case with baptizing babies and the table fellowship with other believers. Sometimes practices are intended to communicate a confession in conflict with the word of God. This can happen even when the practices are not in and of themselves against the Bible. Such practices should be avoided, as in the case of breaking the bread and Holy Communion and the, uh, and the precise word spoken during the distribution. Sometimes practices are so associated with a false doctrine that they must be avoided for the sake of our confession. Such was the case with many of the customs during the uh, Adiophoric controversy of the 16th century. Sometimes practices are unnecessarily imposed upon the church, such as circumcision at St. Paul's time or pietistic rules against alcohol. These practices should be disobeyed. Some practices are so universally used by the church over vast periods of time that their Catholicity requires continued use. Just as positively many churches excuse me, just as positively many practices teach doctrine, they do so almost without us noticing. But the lessons are so valuable that we change and practice at great peril. Ah this is the old stick it in your eye Lutheranism. Uh, that's what I like to call it. Someone comes along and they want to bind me to some sort of law that the scriptures haven't given, then I say, nope, can't do it, bud. That's sticking your eye, Lutheranism. Uh, you cannot steal away my Christian freedom. Of course, we give up willingly our freedom for the sake of charity, but not for the sake of uh, compulsion. So uh, this and, and this whole discussion of doctrine and practice is very interesting. I mean, you had mentioned the adiophoric controversy, the... Fractio Panis, the breaking of the bread controversy, all this stork Luther stuff. I think this has to be now, I think I've penned it down, this has to be the book The Fire and the Staff uh, by, I believe Clement Preuss wrote that book, which is examining the, pra- the, the relationship between Lutheran doctrine and Lutheran practice, and especially is taking on the thesis that you can have... Uh, that you can have Lutheran doctrine and non-Lutheran practice, that you can put those two together. And he said, nope. Sorry, bud. Can't do it. Uh, so that's that's going to be my, my guess. This theologian is Clement Preuss. You are correct for 200 points. Hey, hey, hey. How many points? 200. Is that oh, okay? I thought you said 300 there for a minute. I was going to Well, you got excited. Woo. Uh, that's I right, Look, though. I, I've been in Germany, and there's all sorts. I mean, the, the, the conversion rate for the euro. Maybe I should give points in euros. <laughs> that means for every point is worth 0.8 points. <laughs> oh, that goes the wrong way. 
I'll give you points in euros, giving you an inflated uh, thing. Oh boy! Oh great! All right. Um, no, but it's true though that that doctrine and practice can't be divided. So the things that we do, the thing, the the way we practice teaches and uh, confesses what we believe. Um, and so it doesn't make any sense then to walk into a Lutheran church and you see them worshiping like a bunch of Baptists. I mean, uh, it just doesn't make any sense. You, do, do you confess the things in the Book of Concord, which uh, uh, which, which we believe as Lutherans, um, but yet you don't worship like a Lutheran? You, 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 the, the, the practice doesn't seem to to value word and sacrament, which which uh, Clement Proy said is the is the means by which God works. Uh, to bestow to us the forgiveness of sins. So if if that is how God works to bestow the forgiveness of sins, uh, then it seems like the the worship would want to surround the, the, the would want to value that that word and sacrament. Ah, you're just old fashioned. <laughs> well, we'll be able to talk about this a little bit more when we get to the uh, praise song cruncher section of our. Of oh our show. yeah, that's right. That's right. I think the praise song cruncher is old fashioned too. It's not hip with the times. It's not relevant enough. We need a we need to get that uh, Indian uh, prayer pipe out. What, <laughs> what did you say during the commercial break that you you liked uh, poppy songs or something like that? Uh, that's your criteria. Poppy's bouncy. Bouncy. I like bounce. I need like that that bump we bumped out with it. That was a bouncy too. Just haven't met you yet. That's I I like my hymns bouncy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have oh, a theologian brother. for me? Oh, do I? Do I ever? I do. All right, you ready? Ready. Quote one. I'm going to make these progressively better. So here's the first one. That Christ in his passion was crowned with thorns and that he was led forth to be mocked in royal purple signified that the time would come after his spiritual kingdom was despised, that is, after the gospel was suppressed, when another worldly kingdom would be set up on the pretext of ecclesiastical power. This Hmm. notion has caused horrible darkness to descend over the church and great disturbances to arise in all of Europe. Hmm. Oh, here's a little more. The ministry of the gospel was neglected. Knowledge of faith and spiritual kingdom was extinguished. Christian righteousness was thought to be that of external government, uh, etc., etc. There's the first quote. Okay, just go on to the second one, because I don't have uh, any idea. <laughs> Anything's, okay. This is from the same document, by the way. Here's another one. Then they, whoever this writer is talking about, bid us to doubt whether forgiveness is obtained. Nowhere do they teach that sins are forgiven freely for Christ's sake, and that by this faith we obtain remission of sins. Thus they obscure the glory of Christ, deprive consciences of a firm consolation, and abolish true worship, that is, the exercise of faith fighting against despair. Ooh, okay. Um, so... This this uh, right. theologian is condemning someone else for their false teachings, and the false teachings um, are then not bestowing the 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 free and perfect gift or the forgiveness of sins. Um, so I'm leaning towards this being some sort of a Lutheran fighting against the uh, like the Papists, for example, or the Roman Catholic Church, um, especially in this defining of what true worship is faith fighting against uh what was it despair or something yes isn't that that's a marvelous definition of worship yeah. worship is faith fighting against despair and in and in the in the german it would be like this at the exercise of faith fighting against unbelief and despair over the promise of the gospel 
So that worship is our faith fighting to cling to the promise that we're forgiven, that our our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus, that, that God no longer holds our sin against us because he has spent his wrath on his son in our place. And, and that's what worship is. What a, This is just a fantastic definition of worship. Yeah. I might need one more, though. All right, I got one for you. This will give it away for sure. I mean, it's not even really hard. Don't don't say things like that, because then I get it oh, wrong yeah, what, and I look stupid. Did you do? <laughs> did we play our thing? A table talk radio. Low expectations. No, no expectations, no disappointment. That's what it was. Okay, here you go. On the other hand, the doctrine of the Pope conflicts in many ways with the gospel, and the Pope arrogates to himself a threefold define, divine authority. First, because he assumes for himself the right to change doctrine of Christ into worship instituted by God. And he wishes to have his own doctrine and worship observed as divine. Second, because he assumes for himself not only the power to loose and bind in this life, but also the jurisdiction over souls in the afterlife. Third, because the Pope is unwilling to be judged by the church by anyone, and he exalts his authority above the decisions of the council and the whole church. Such unwillingness to be judged by the church or by anybody is to make oneself out to be God. All right. So here he's, uh, this uh, mysterious theologian is... Uh, is uh, finding the faults of the Pope first, that he can change change doctrine. So, I mean, here we have uh, the holy doctrine given to us in the scriptures. And uh, who is the Pope then to go about and just start changing doctrines uh, that uh, that our, our Lord gives us? Secondly, um, that he can uh, loosen bind, bind uh, souls. Now, he says that the problem isn't here on earth because uh, that 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 Christ has given the authority for those in the holy ministry to uh, loose and bind according to their repentance. But the the problem here that that this theologian is saying is that the Pope does it in the afterlife. So now that now that someone who is who has uh, died, he can now say this person's in purgatory. This person is in heaven or not. Um, he you know that that's just silliness. And the third one. Um, that there is no, there's no one ab- above the pope. That the that the that the pope is above critique or above judgment. This has to be uh, none other than the reformer, Doctor Martin Luther himself. Oh yeah, very close. Oh, very close. are you kidding? You want to guess again? This is Melanchthon, actually. Oh, that was my second guess. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, Melanchthon at this point still is reflecting Luther's theology. So this is, uh, I mean. Basically, uh, you got it right. But but this is but but here's an, an interesting point. This is from this document, the Treatise on the Power and Primacy of the Pope, which is amended to Luther's Small Called Articles, and the, it was adopted by the Small Caldic League, whatever that is. I can never figure this out. But uh, but but they wanted Luther to say more about the Pope in his Small Called, and he didn't really say too much. So so Melanchthon comes along and he writes this. Now oh, right, I was yeah. reminded of this because. Um, last we got an email with, our, and we had this in the show last week. That when I was listing the books of the Book of Concord, I left out the treatise on the power and primacy of the Pope. This is a very important document. It talks about how uh, the, the uh, structure in the Church is not divinely given, but is uh, it can be a human authority. So we we can, with the best of our wisdom in the circumstances in which the Lord has put us in our churches, we can figure out how to do it ourselves but really what comes from god is the office of preaching and administering the sacraments and that's what he would have uh his pastors do in the church man this show's going fast all right that's gonna do it then that's all the time we have for name that theologian we'll be right back to praise song crunch
you're not easily embarrassed, tell your friends about Table Talk Radio. I got a feeling that tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good, good night. A feeling that tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good, good night. A feeling. Welcome well, that back. That song used complete sentences. Uh, was... <laughs> oh, don't pray song crunch yet. We're gonna be doing that. And this segment can't on hold Table me back. Talk you Radio. can't hold me back. I'm ready to crunch. If you it's would like crunch time, yeah. If you have a uh, praise song Ooh. you would like us to crunch on Table Talk Radio, send us an email. Questions at tabletalkradio.org, or you can tell us what it is on our voicemail system. That's eight six six eight five one five five two three. And the first one is by request. Uh, this is this is an older one. I think I remember this from my college days, but it's called uh, Come. Now is the time to worship, and it sounds something like this. Doesn't sound safe. I like how the lyrics say spoken. Come. <laughs> That's like a rubric. You know? Come, well, you say, come, and, and then you sing. Now is the time. <laughs> well, part of the problem this is this is a pretty popular song, and so a, a lot of different groups have have played this. I'm not even quite sure at this point uh, who the original uh, writer or author of this song is. So I'll have to do a little research to, to find that. Um, so, but here we have, and and the the praise song cruncher is this little criteria that Pastor has written. Uh, to to discern the usefulness of praise songs, and there's five questions. This criteria, so uh, you can you can pencil this out on on a it's little like piece a of paper. It's like a meat grinder for praise songs. <laughs> it's like, you know the old fashioned meat grinder. You put like the cow leg in one side, and sausage comes out the other. <laughs> That's what the cruncher. So what comes out the other side of the of the praise song cruncher? Sausage. Same thing. <laughs> well, question number one is Jesus. Is it, is he mentioned? Yes, no. If yes, a name or concept. Number two, clarity. Uh, is the song clear? Does it use sentences with subject, verb, and object, or sentence fragments? That's a, a ten very clear or one obscure. The third question is a question of mysticism. That's subjectivity versus objectivity. Is the song about the things that God has done, which would be the objective, or is it about my own emotions and experiences, the subjective? Does the song repeat the same phrases over and over, an hymnatic mantra? Uh, that is ten objective or one subjective. Number four is the law gospel question. Is it rightly divided? Yes, no, or I can't tell. 
Uh, and number five is, is there any explicit false teaching? So that's the Praise Song Cruncher, and this printout is available on our website at tabletalkradio.org, and click on the Articles tab, and you'll find it, I think, on page two there. All right, so... Um, uh, page two, we've buried it so we don't get in trouble. You can bring the Cruncher with you to church, though, if you're, uh, if you're church... And, and people, you know, everyone, the people next to you will be standing up, waving their arms. Yeah, you can make copies of it and slip it into the bulletin. Yeah, I think that's what we should do with this, um, with the youth minister. What is it? How to tell if you're being emotionally manipulated. With a youth yeah, the checklist. checklist. Yeah, you hand that thing out too. But this is so you can hand out the cruncher and see how things crunch. Of course, hey, this is the point of the cruncher. I think is that when you talk to a praise songer, they say the <laughs> the more it's crunched, the better because they're because now please understand this, dear listener, that the praise song writers are trying to be mystical. And they're trying to be subjective. I mean, that's the whole point of it. That's why the praise song cruncher crunches so well, because they would say, look, we're trying to bring someone into the presence to an experience of the presence of God. That's what the stated objective of all this worship stuff is. So really, if you were to come along and say to a praise song writer, a praise songer, hey, this song is mystical, they'd say, well, thank you. It's like, (laughs) hey, have I ever told this story about how this, uh, when I was a vicar like you ages ago, and uh, I had just teaching a Bible study about the communication of natures of Christ or something like this. And some uh, some dear, wonderful old lady came up to me and, and she said, and she said, you know, Vicar, someday you'll be a great seminary professor. And I said, oh, thank you, having no idea that she was insulting me. <laughs> <laughs> that you were talking way over her head. <laughs> oh, that's right. Now, this is kind of the same thing with the praise song cruncher. You bring the praise song cruncher to a praise songer and you say, hey, you, this is all subjective, mystical stuff. And they say... Well, thank you. That's what they're trying to do. <laughs> okay. So let's look at the, the, the song, Come, Now is the Time to Worship. Is Jesus mentioned uh, yes, no, or uh, and if yes, is it name or concept? No. No Jesus. So you do have the mention of God. Uh, come, now is the time to worship. Just as you are before your... This is a weird sort of phrase here. Come just as you are before your God. Uh, we'll talk about the just as you are business in a little bit, but the your God business is kind of an interesting. It, it now look, you can. Uh, I mean, I preach this all the time. I say your Jesus, and what I mean by that is not, uh, you know, you got your Jesus and you got your Jesus. You know, you and over the there Indians have, the baby have their Jesus, own Jesus. And, right, and you over there have the grown-up bearded Jesus or whatever. <laughs> no, that's not, I mean, it's just that Jesus is 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 ours. He gives himself to us. But but and so that is hopefully what the song means when it says your God. It means the God who is also yours. But it doesn't say that. So we all we got is the is the lyrics here. But we assume that because this is a Christian song that that's what it's talking about. But there's no mention of Jesus here. No mention of the Father or of the Spirit. Just simply God. Mm-hmm. Okay, question number two, is the song is the song clear? Does it use sentences with subject, verb, and object, or sentence fragments? So ten would be clear, one would be obscure. Um, it is. It does have kind of, it uses sentences for the most part. Ooh, we're calling you, calling all nations, now is the time. One day every tongue will confess that you are God. Uh, but it it is very very repetitive. I mean, just looking at it, come come now is the time. Come come just as you are, etc. So this is going to be while but, it but does. But the repetition is on the next one. Oh, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right now you're doing mm-hmm. clarity. Next one will be mysticism. So this is kind of kind of clear, kind of clear, kind of like clear. our show. 
I'm going to say, what is it, like a six or a four? Which side should it be on? Uh, do you want a bit more clear or more obscure? More clear. Okay, so that's a six. Six. All right. And then now mysticism is a song about the things that God has done or about one's experiences. And then, the, then here you have the question of repetition. Yeah, this is a certainly um, certainly mysticism. All these kind of call to worship songs just uh, get sunk. They get mired in mysticism. So very repetitive. Uh, Come now is the time to worship. It's like I said, it's a, it's one of these call to worship songs, but it's not. It's it's uh, it's a kind of weird thing because it's it's saying it's the time to worship, and you say, well, it's a worship song, I guess, but it's not actually worshiping. It's just telling you it's time to worship. Well, don't, yeah. don't tell me what time it is. Just do the thing, you know. <laughs> and it even says, look, later one day we're all going to worship. One day uh, every tongue will confess. One day every knee will bow. I mean, quoting Philippians two there, but it's like saying, hey, we're gonna. We're going to eventually be worshiping, but right now we're just telling you it's time to worship. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe for for some that uh, haven't heard this praise song country before, uh, describe what you mean by that a song be mystic or mysticism and why that's maybe not a good thing. Well, there's this idea. The mysticism has the idea that that there can be an essential unity. This is the technical definition, so here you go. There, there can be an essential unity connection between our nature and God's nature, and that that manifests itself in an emotional experience of the presence of God. And you do that, so you you, you bring about that ex- emotional experience through repetition, through abstraction, through emotionalism, through getting people uh, kind of worked up into a, a state. So that's why the repetition does it and things like this. Now, for a lot of, and this is a sad, sad thing, for a lot of Christians, a lot of evangelicals, even the essential uh, there is an essential religious experience that they are trying to cultivate, which with and they use that to base their understanding of God uh, on this experience. And so the time of worship then is to create this experience where now you get some sort of sense that God is near. Uh, etc. So that's what it says. Come just as you are to worship. Come just as you are before your God. You see that that those. I mean, it's a marvelous song because it really defines what worship means. Uh, even the time now is the time to worship. Now is the time to give your heart. So that worship for the for the the theology of the praise songists, the praise songers, is to give your heart and to stand before God. And th- so that so that you are now ha- experiencing His presence, um, and, and and this is and this is uh, is this this is precisely what this mysticism is trying to cultivate. Mm, okay, so so I mean, really, this song is helpful in a couple of ways because it's 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 kind of getting to the basis of of the whole praise song uh, doctrine, defining worship as being. Um, uh, having this, like we said, this experience, this immediate experience of the presence of God. All right. Well, let's continue crunching this song. Uh, come, now is the time to worship after this commercial break, and then we'll do another one, Deep in Love with You by Michael W. Smith, next segment, too. Don't go away. Take me to the place I love Take me 
Can't you see you're not making Christianity better? You're just making rock and roll worse. This is Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talker Radio. We are doing the Praise Song Cruncher. In the middle of crunching this song, come, now is the time to worship. And we just got done talking about mysticism and the question of mysticism, which is number three on the Praise Song Cruncher, found at our website, tabletalkerradio.org. And now we're on number four, the question of law and gospel. Does the song proclaim the law and its sternness and the gospel and its sweetness? The law is the promise of the forgiveness of all sins won for us through Jesus' death on the cross. Are the law and gospel rightly divided and not mixed up? Is the law presented as something that we can do, or does it show us our sins? Is the gospel conditional based upon my actions, decisions, and acceptance? So this is yes, no, or I can't tell. No gospel whatsoever. So... You can't rightly divide it if it's not there. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) So the answer would be no, because there's no gospel. I mean, there's no Jesus. There's no blood. There's no forgiveness. There's no nothing. There's just you coming as you are before God, which is, that's what it says here. Just as you come, just as you are before your God. Now, if anyone has ever read the Bible, they know that that is a very dangerous thing to do. You cannot just walk into the presence of God as you are, because if you do, you get sucked into a hole or or, or washed away with a flood or destroyed by fire or uh, plagued with snakes or something like that. Oh, come we on. That's, not... that's so Old Testament. Come on. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. Every time, I mean, even when the angels in their holiness show up, Old and New Testament. People are Ooh. on their face. Right. Uh, because it's, um, it is dangerous, the holiness of God for sinners. That's why God has to wrap himself up in our flesh and come into our death and die for us and put his blood all over us so that we can come before him, not as we are, but as forgiven. So it's true. I mean, Jesus does receive sinners. He's, he receives sinners and he eats with them. But that's precisely the point. I mean, God cannot do that apart from Christ, apart from his incarnation, apart from his death on the cross, etc., etc. Now, this mystical power outlet of God, that whatever the mystics always talk about, you know, the great nuclear reactor, or if you're, uh, if you're a green uh, uh, mystic, <laughs> the, 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 the wind kind of windmill generator of God... <laughs> Where you plug yourself in to get zapped with his power and stuff. This is this is not God is not this is not a God who is holy because his holiness destroys us apart from the death of Jesus. So, what was the question again? Law and gospel? All law? Oh yeah, and We're bad the law presence, too. Yeah. So I mean, so that's right. So so we we always talk about well that you know that was so Old Testament as I as I suggested. Well, what's different than the New Testament that that, that we have. Uh, Christ's sacrifice, atoning for the sin. So now that when when we come into the presence of God, God sees us not as a sinner that we are, but he sees us as one who has been redeemed, who's, who's wearing the righteousness of Christ by our baptism. And so these are the things right. that we should be singing and confessing in church. Uh, the very reason that we can come into the, the real presence of God and receive his very body and blood into our mouths because it's been shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah, that's right. 
That's exactly right. I mean, here, look, if so you learn something from the Old Testament, which is, if you're not holy, don't go into the presence of God. Well, then in the New Testament, the Pharisees think they're holy by their own works, and, and they learn, and then we learn, if you are if you think you're holy by your own works, you better not even be in the presence of Jesus, because he will start throwing things at you. This is not <laughs> safe. Yeah. Uh, you have to be, you, we we have to know that to be to be in the presence of God, we must be holy. But that holiness only comes from the from the death of Jesus and our baptism, etc. It's declared and given to us as an alien righteousness. So you don't need the Texas Receptus to know that. I mean, you just need a. <laughs> you could use the Good News translation, and you get that thing. So. One hundred points for that one. For everyone just tuning in, I just used my buzzword. I know you hear the cheers in the background. Pastor Wolfmuller finally used the buzzword. <laughs> it only got 100 points out of the deal, though. Well, it wasn't that good of a buzzword to begin with. I guess that, that brings you oh, that brings you into the lead, though. So 300 to 200. 300 to nil. Wait a minute. Oh, oh that's right. I, I didn't get my, my buzzword or my theologian either. So, yeah. All right. Not looking good. But there's one last question on the praise song cruncher. Is there any explicit false teaching? This, yes, there is in this song. You see it? Uh huh. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you it's tell what them. What we call dis- dis- <laughs> decisionism or free willism. I like saying putting the word "ism" on everything. Uh, but it, it, here, come. Uh, ju- uh, it's time to give your heart. The greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. So the assumption this is just plain old-fashioned decision theology. The idea that we can, with an act of our own will, receive God, come to Him, etc., which is not true. Uh, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, nor can it, for they are spiritually discerned, First uh, Corinthians 2.14. So the natural man can't even do this stuff. So if you're not, if you have not chosen God, you cannot choose God unless he chooses you and gives you uh, a, a new heart. He gives you the forgiveness of all of your sins. So this decisionism there, uh, which runs all through it, is, uh, is false and deadly doctrine. It seems like on Table Talk Radio we've been harping on this decision theology a lot lately. I started to wonder, you know, why why do we talk about this so much? And it's because it's so rampant in American evangelicalism today that that the Tis. that the the God has almost become uh, the God of choice or the God of of my own will, uh, so that uh, that that all my whole belief, my whole religion, my whole uh, confession depends upon my act to decide to uh, become a Christian. So that, that if it wasn't for, I mean, this this is maybe a product of of just the American culture or something like that. But but regardless, it, it's 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 false. It's heresy. Well, it's been around for a while. I mean, it's Pelagianism, or I mean, maybe semi-Pelagianism, but it's bad. We have the art. Do we have this on our website? Can you make a decision for Christ? You yep. got to look up. That for all the scriptures, but here's the twofold danger of it. One, if my religion is a basis of my own decision, then two, then I've done. Two, there's two dangers here. One is I've stolen the glory of God, who says, "Look, I'm going to save you. You're not going to save yourselves. I'm going to save you." And if I say, "Well, it's my decision that accessed that salvation," we take glory from God. And the second thing is we steal away comfort from ourselves because if it's my decision, well, how sure is our decision? What if I change my mind, etc.? Then, then now our salvation is all based on my sincerity, which is what you hear. 
sincere in a lot of preaching. If you if you gave yourself to Jesus and you were really sincere, well, I don't. I've got no idea about the level of my sincerity. I don't have a little like sincerity judge uh, or meter <laughs> somewhere in my. Maybe I can. I got this new phone. Maybe I can download a sincerity app for my new phone and it can tell me how sincere I'm being all the time. All right. But goodness sakes, I don't have that comfort. So let me know how that works. So it's bad. It's a bad doctrine. Let me know how that works. Uh, we're going to uh, speed crunch this last one. This is Michael W. Smith, right. Deep in Love with You. Sitting at your feet is where I want to be. I'm home when I am here with you. Ruined by your grace. What? Never by your That's gaze. That's a weird one. I can't resist the tenderness in you. Uh-oh. We really got a speed crunch this one? Deep in love with you. Love our Father. I'm deep in love with you, Lord. Uh. <laughs> My heart, it beats for you. I think we're going to need some time with this one. All right. Dear Radio Clown. This looks like it's going to be another extended version of Table Talk Radio. Well, we'll we'll try to go as fast as we can. Uh, Well, we have about two minutes, so let's just... uh, Okay. So the first one is Jesus. Is Jesus mentioned? Yes. There it is. My heart beats for you, precious Jesus. Okay. I'm deep in love with you. Deep. Deep. All right. Number two, uh, clarity. Is it ten very clear or one obscure? This is subject matter uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's right. There's sentences uh, I never have to, but it's, it's some of them are strange sentences like "ruined by your grace" or uh, "your blood runs in my veins," "a deep desire burning like a fire." I, I know you as my closest. Uh, so this is right in the middle. I'm going to say four. Four. Okay. The next one is a, uh, number three: mysticism. This, is, this is off the charts, Mystic. <laughs> I mean, it is like a 12. I'm deep in love with you. I mean, this sort of thing, I mean, talking that God is our kind of cosmic intimate partner or whatever. Uh, I, the, the idea of this this uh, eros love, uh, the, the, the idea that this is what exists between humanity and God, this is really what's going through here. Uh, deep in love, this... Kind of this. Uh, this is just off the charts mysticism. T- uh, Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, law gospel. Mm, no, no law gospel. I'm it, it basically. I love you, Lord. I really love you. <laughs> That's what it all is. <laughs> all right, then. Uh, false teaching. Um. Well, if yes, this off the off the charts. If you if you agree with the pre- premise that mysticism is false teaching, then I mean this is this is false. So, um, and strange. Okay, well I'll let you take us to the end here with forty seconds. Well, look at so here you have this. Uh, uh, my love for you is deeper than it was yesterday. I enter through the curtain parted by your grace. I mean, on the one hand, we have the command in the scriptures. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so for us to say, Lord, I love you, is good. But we can only say that. I mean, we say it, and it says it in John, that we love because he first loved us. And if you're not going to first tell me about the love of Jesus, 
him dead on the cross, bleeding for my sins, uh, then there's no way to talk about our love back for him. That was a super crunch. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points, hey, here's a grammatical one. The points are like a simile without like or ass. listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> the views expressed on this show oh. are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. <laughs> we would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio. <laughs>